Hey everyone, I'm ex-TV producer Jennifer Moore, and I'm very excited because in this episode, we actually have a real guest. With me right now is longtime Tampa TV newsman, Brendan McLaughlin. Thank you so much for being here today. It's my pleasure, Jennifer. It was great working with you as briefly as we did, but it's good to reconnect and uh, happy to join you today. Definitely. So Brendan is now in the XTV News or Club. Uh, so Brendan, what jobs have you held at various TV stations over the years? Um, I started as, a, uh, as an intern in San Francisco and I worked on the assignment desk. So that was pretty much the whole stint there, uh, which was a great place to start because that's kind of the, as you know, the nerve center of a newsroom and you kind of see how the different uh, parts interact. Uh, then I went on to become a reporter and then a news anchor reporter. Uh, toward the end of my career, I actually went back to handling a camera, or actually handled a camera for the first time as an MMJ, what we call a multimedia journalist. And so I would shoot, edit, uh, narrate, and, uh, and present my own stories. Um, so that's, that's the long and short of it. Wonderful. And why did you get into the TV news business originally? You know, I, I was a little slow to the uh, slow to the game there. I was I was 29 when I was an intern, like one of the oldest interns I think at KPIX at the time, um, maybe before or after. Uh, and then I was 30 when I got my first on-air job. But uh, it always seemed to me to be um, the kind of job where every day is a clean slate. Uh, it I, I have a little bit of ADD. I have a relatively short attention span, and so it was perfect. It's like you walk out the door at the end of the day and it's an all clean slate. Um, so I was able to focus on one project, one story intensely, you know, throughout the course of the day. Um, of course, there's always the uh, kind of the joy of creativity, of, of asking that perfect question or telling a story that invokes a little emotion, you know, based on the words and the pictures that you've chosen. So there's that creative satisfaction for sure. Yeah, and you probably put out what, like th thousands and thousands of stories over the years. You really stop to add it up, but yeah, it could be a big number. All right. Now, what, in your, in your opinion, what's the best part about working in the news business? Well, it's uh, everything I just mentioned, for sure, uh, in terms of every day being different. You sort of, you get opened up, pardon the uh, aircraft traffic here, um, you get opened up to a different subject every day, uh, something you may have not have known anything about, uh, you know, uh, the, the uh, mistreatment of elephants uh, at a you know a farm out in rural Florida or Texas, um, and you know you, there are legal questions that you learn a lot about. There's uh, law enforcement, um, uh, regulations, uh, government, uh, school boards, that sort of thing. So uh, if you're at all curious, uh, it's a really really satisfying career, and and I found that to be one of the parts I enjoyed most. You know, yeah, same here. I would I would definitely agree with you. And uh, all right, what was the worst part about working in news? Yeah, uh, where do we start? <laughs> I focus the on the positive. Yeah, it's kind of uh, it's it's the one of the most inflexible jobs you could, you could take. Uh, you you have zero control over your time, really. Uh, I mean, you can budget within the time that you're given. You're under constant deadline pressure and uh, and time pressure. In other words, you only have so much time to tell your story. In my case, it was usually a minute thirty. <laughs> that was my that was my movie. Um, and if you had more to say, well, you just had to figure out what stayed and what went. Yeah, what, did, um, what are you going to cut? And... Right. It's also kind of a career, at least if you're on the air like I was, or, or if you're a producer, certainly. Um, better never than late. Was yeah. this. 
Remember that? Um, you, it's not an option to be late. Uh, yeah, like you're either going to make air or you're going to make art. It has to. Right. It has to get on. Yes. So, uh, and and in the broader sense, uh, you work holidays. You you you're not able to take off in, during the sweeps months of February and uh, and November and July and May. Um, and and so you can't be off when your co-anchor is off. In my case, so it it really made uh, doing things on your personal life uh, a little difficult. Definitely. And what would you like the world to know about TV news that you feel might not be evident to the average person? Um, that's a good question because uh, you know people are interested in television and television news, but uh, not many people have actually been behind the scenes or you know know much about how it actually comes together. But I guess one misconception I think that I, that I see out there is um, there's a sense maybe that there's a concerted or coordinated effort to to put forth a certain editorial stance and i can only speak to the local news part of this but that's simply not the case i mean it's there's no me there's no secret meeting in the morning to advance any particular agenda um there are uh so there's no explicit bias i really just don't buy it there's implicit bias of course we all are thinking sentient human beings i wouldn't want to watch a reporter or a news anchor who didn't have an opinion at all on a news story, of course we have opinions, but the challenge is to sort of put your bias aside or be aware of your bias and do your best to just be fair to everybody and as impartial as you can on these issues. And, and my experience has been that most of the people I worked with do a pretty good job of that. Yeah, that's, it's definitely the exception more than the rule. There were, you know, you're right, we weren't sitting around being like, well, how can we spin this story this way? It just, you right. don't have time it, for that. And if there is a bias that sort of runs through local television news, it's in favor of the sponsors. Um, <laughs> everybody's aware that you know, before you do a story that, that uh, trashes you know, the local uh, Ford dealership. The current dealership, you're, yeah. You might want to have a conversation yeah. with your manager on that. Um, so so uh, that is just, you know, I, that's uh, perhaps an uh, inevitable result of the way local television news is financed. No, good. Very good thoughts. And is there one story in particular that sticks out to you as having a really big impact on you? You know, uh, I think in the news business, we do a pretty good job of uh, distancing ourselves from the, the awful things that we talk about and cover, uh, much the way like emergency room doctors do. Um, you know, we see and talk about some pretty, pretty tough stuff. And I think if we let it get in and we didn't have the gallows humor to sort of brush it off, it, it would be tough to do. So we're good at that, but um, you know, stories involving children being abused or neglected um, are really tough and hard to hard to understand. Uh, there's a lot of human behavior that that I can understand, uh, but like serial killers, we just had a serial killer here in Tampa in the Seminole Heights area, and this was somebody that just randomly and with no apparent pattern with gender or race or age, just was executing people on the street. Um, he's been caught, but the, everybody is wrestling with the question of why in the world would this college graduate with a, you know, otherwise perhaps a bright future um, who doesn't, didn't seem to be visibly unhinged or off his meds uh, would do something so awful. So, you know, that's very unsettling. We deal with those issues a lot and I have no answer. And that You can't, there are no answers for some, some of these behaviors yeah. we see or when you think you're like, oh, I've seen it all, then something else comes along and you're like, wow, did not right. see that coming. Well, all right, so let's, we're here on YouTube. Let's talk about viral stories. You probably 
covered a lot of stories that went viral. What attributes have you noticed they tend to have? Well, it was, uh, you know, it was in the last sort of five, six years of my career that the internet, social media became a, a real big driver. Um, and my observation is that positive stories, uplifting stories, funny stories, uh, tend to go viral more readily than negative, nasty stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and that's logical enough, I suppose. I mean, I think the news by its very nature can be negative because we, we don't run a story on the accident that didn't happen on I-275. We do the yeah. accident that did happen because that's the news. Um, so I think people are sort of delighted and charmed and sort of gravitate toward a story that shows the, the, the positive side of human nature. Um, somebody doing something above and beyond, uh, like unconditional generosity, that, that type of thing seems to really um, uh, get a great reaction. If I could take a moment to show, to tell you one okay, sure. example that, that I did that went super viral, uh, and I didn't, ex I didn't anticipate that. It was my carpet cleaner, a guy who, you know, chem dry guy, it was, he was in my Rolodex, and I would, I would call him up uh, every six months or so to come and do some spots on the floor. And he was a chatty guy, and he happened to mention that on his days off on the weekend, he would go to cemeteries on his own with his cleaning equipment and very carefully with a lot of research, clean these very old um, neglected tombstones of veterans um, that were unrecon unreadable, unrecognizable because they'd just been covered with tree sap and dirt and mud. Nobody was tending them. And he would turn these you know, stones into beautiful, uh, almost pieces of art because you know, the, the original marble or the granite you know, was just like new. And he did this without any recognition or any compensation on his time off. So I thought, wow, that would be a cool story. So we did it. I remember, I definitely, and you know what? The networks all picked it up. So it's one of, one of those things where it's, it's so good, you want to share it with people. Yeah. And it's still going viral in a sense in that he has got a, his own Facebook page uh, that, is, that gets an enormous amount of traffic every day. And he's kind of turned it into, a, you know, a bit of a, a nonprofit career. Uh, and I'll take credit for coining the phrase good cemeterian. So it, it helps <laughs> have a, a catchy handle. Wow. Well, that's a, that's a wonderful story. And that's a good example about a story, you know, starting just from you having a conversation with the guy yeah, right, to exactly. him being known around the world. All right. So, all right, we're going to talk to the media relations and PR folks now for the folks watching who want to develop a relationship with media outlets. If you are coming up with some sort of guide on best practices, what kind of stuff would be in it? Okay, well, I'm, I'm a little uh, out of my league with this story just because as a news guy, I was, you know, I had the luxury of not caring about marketing and sales and, and public relations, that kind of thing. But um, I, I guess what I would have to say about that is that if you wanted to, uh, if you wanted to develop a relationship with a television station or increase the, the chances that um, you can get coverage on a particular story or a product or a business that you're starting, um, you go to the assignment editor. You exactly. You don't, they don't go to you in the field and be like, Brendan, can you get my story on the air? Right. Like, and in fact, I wouldn't even go, you know, with all due respect, ex-producer, I wouldn't go to the producer either because the producer no. is dealing with the menu that they have in front of them that is usually, usually uh, directed by the news director and, and the assignment editor. So the assignment editor is somebody that you need to know their name. You need to go in and schedule a visit. And meet, the, yeah, just meet them. Happy to show you around. Um, and if, if, if they can have lunch. Maybe bring some out. food with you, you know? Yes, it doesn't People hurt. love free food. Right. But most importantly, uh, you will have a fruitful relationship if you bring them stories that they can actually yeah. turn. 
You know, uh, I think a lot of uh, people on the other end trying to get coverage don't understand that television stations need video. They need people to talk to. They need things to shoot. Uh, so you need to provide them with a, a happening. An event is happening on this date that you can actually go and videotape. Yeah. And you can talk to not the officials, you know, not the president or the executive vice president or the director of whatever, but real people that are involved with whatever mission or product. Um, that you're talking about. So, you know, we, we, whether you, I don't like to use the term victim, but if you're talking about a disease or a malady, whatever it might be, or a social ill, yes, talk to somebody who's adversely affected that could speak firsthand yeah. to what this story is about. That's the hardest part. Um, you know, a lot of organizations like uh, a shelter for battered women, for example, there's confidentiality issues. It's very difficult to sometimes get, it's not so easy. Like mm -hmm. I want to talk to a woman who is, who's a victim of domestic violence, but to make an impactful story at the end of the day, you need to have that person yeah. in your story. So you have to develop a relationship, develop some trust. You know, they need to trust that you are going to protect that person's anonymity, if that's the case, or, or treat their story with fairness and compassion above all. So uh, it, it's a process, but I, I think uh, that's the bottom line. Very, all good thoughts. And actually, I, I have a lot of the same opinions. I think most of us do generally. So that, that's definitely something we have in common. All right. So what are some right ways for, say, a YouTuber to get noticed by traditional media like TV stations? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I must say I flagrantly cribbed YouTube video from all sources. <laughs> you know, when you had nothing else, you can go to YouTube sometimes and find video and try to contact the person's permission. Like, hey, that kid's from Tampa. He can do skateboard right. tricks or something. Right. But I think a lot of the same things apply. I mean, if you, uh, if you have a, uh, a YouTube channel, um, you might be reaching an audience, you might be in touch with a, a trend or a hobby or a pastime or an activity that, the, man, that the, uh, you know, the traditional media knows nothing about. And they love nothing better than to report on you know, the latest trend. The latest craze. Or... And, and sometimes they're, they're wo laughably, woefully behind. I mean, how many times have, yeah. have you read the script? You know, like, now we're going to have uh, a report on the new craze of rolfing, and, uh, you know, which is a type of massage. Well, I'm old enough to remember rolfing was from the 70s, you know, and, you know, things come around again. So, so it's not uh, exactly a new thing. Or do you remember that thing where kids were doing their own DIY braces? I was like, this is insane. Where kids yeah. were taking like hair bands and I'm like, you should not. Like, that's a terrible idea. Right, right. But stuff like that, like kids are just getting it. They'll all make videos on one thing. And I don't know, some so, of them can be kind of dangerous. Right. So that's why YouTube, YouTubers <laughs> are closer to the ground in a sense. And maybe they, uh, they catch wind of some of these trends the good ones and the not so good ones uh, before anybody else does. And if you can, if you can communicate that to your local TV station or newspaper, they'll be interested. Oh, definitely. All right. So there are lots of people out there who are considering a career in TV news like, like you've had. And what advice would you give them right now? I guess the same advice I would have given them 22 years ago um, or 28 years ago when I first got into the business. And that is, at the end of the day, it's all about content. It's all about storytelling. And if you're sincere about that, if you're interested in the world around you, then you'll take the time to, to, to learn about it, at least learn enough about it to communicate whatever the news is. In other words, if you're doing a story about a plane crash, take the time out to learn a little bit about the, the plane involved and the process by which planes go up in the air. Um, 
because if you don't, your ignorance will manifest itself somewhere along the line. You don't have to become an expert in anything, but you have to take the effort and show the natural curiosity to learn enough about whatever subject you want to talk about um, to convey a, a sincerity that you're interested. Because if you're interested while you're telling or communicating or writing about a subject, or <clears throat> pardon me, or a news story, that's what people like to watch. That's what people care about. And that's going to that's gonna make, make you have some impact. That's good advice, Brendan. All right. So you left uh, ABC Action News a few years ago. Why did you decide to, to leave the business? Well, they finally, uh, they caught me. I was stealing office supplies <laughs> for many, many years. You were stealing staplers and post-its. And staples and post-its and stuff. And I just, they, they, they found my big storehouse. But uh, no, it was... Uh, I guess it was cumulative. I was trying to get the dog over here. This is, this is Finnegan. Oh, oh and I, I've seen Finnegan in photos. Oh, hey, Finnegan. Hey, buddy. Good dog. Anyway, I get to spend more time with him for one thing. Um, but more to the point, I guess it was, I will blame social media <laughs> in a sense. In other words, I think what happened to a lot of us in the business at the time was, was management came to us and said, hey, in addition to everything you're doing for the, you know, in preparation for the five, six and 11 o'clock news, uh, we need you to post uh, or tweet or make Facebook posts or provide content for our webpage uh, many times a day throughout the day. Um, and that fundamentally changes the job. It's a whole, it's a whole layer. Yeah. Uh, and so I did it and I, I think I did it pretty well for, you know, that's the last five or six years. But then I just got to the point where I just decided this has really um, just gotten hard to the point where I think it's a good time to, to bail. And, uh, and that's what I did. So I, uh, I have no regrets. Um, in fact, I'm a little, it's a little uh, unnerving how little I've missed <laughs> the, you know, the work environment uh, because I've stayed busy and I've been, you know, I'm not at loose ends. I, it's, it seems like some days I'm too busy. Um, and eventually, not, not to ramble on here, but eventually I would like to get back to some sort of form of expression and communication, whether it's writing, who knows, maybe it's YouTube. Maybe um, you could do a YouTube channel with Finnegan? Yeah. He could sure. be co-host. Yes, Finn and me. Finn and you. Uh, so, okay, we're on to something. Let's, let's uh, I think you totally are. And I, I definitely, I think I would watch. I'll be a subscriber. Okay, great. But I have nothing but, you know, gratitude uh, for the career I had and the time I had in the business. I met amazing people. I learned so much uh, about the world around me and I learned about myself and other people. So, um, yeah, to somebody just getting into the business, I would say absolutely do it because, you know, what this business is going to look like in five years is any, anybody's mm -hmm. guess. But again, if you have a passion uh, for storytelling and communication, um, then this is where you need to be. Yep. All right. Now, since you've been since you left uh, channel 28, what, what kind of stuff have you been up to? Well, I've been, um, I've been doing a couple TV gigs. I will confess some of your, I uh, saw you on, uh, I saw you on channel eight. I know. Yeah, I did. I did a little gig on election night um there and uh but i've done some sort of uh some something that uh no self-respecting news person would do while they're working and that's some commercials like medicare yes and i'm not old enough for medicare but i, guess I look old enough so but you can but you can represent them so that's cool yeah. so you may have seen me on uh, on your cable channel pitching uh, medicareadvantage.com or some other such uh supplementary health care uh plan but it's um you know it's a little 
walking around money and, uh, and fun to get back in the studio from time to time. I do it completely on my own volition, on my own schedule. Um, I have some side projects. I've been delving in real estate, as you know, and, um, and just uh, trying to get to the gym, you know, on a pretty regular schedule um, and spending more time with friends uh, and, and really enjoying not having that inflexibility we talked yeah, about. Exactly. The thing we've been lacking for so long. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm doing a lot of the same stuff I did while I was working, but I got all day to do it. Mm -hmm. and it feels so much better. And you did, a, you've done a lot of traveling as well, right? Yeah, I did. I mean, after I quit, I, I bought a, a 1994 Dodge uh, pleasure way van. And so like a completely uh, built out camper essentially with the, with everything. Um, and, and by myself, my wife continues to work. Uh, I drove to California, uh, the long way, stayed at national parks and state parks all along the way. Uh, took a month to get to California. And then I turned around and drove back uh, on the Southern route. And so, yeah, two months on the road, um, seeing nature, seeing America, seeing small towns, uh, Marfa, Texas, uh, Billings, Montana, uh, Jackson Hole, um, all kinds of cool spots. And it was just a, a great experience. And I've taken some international trips as well. Um, yeah. Again, that flexibility. Oh. And haven't you been blogging a little bit too? A little bit, I yeah. I mean, I, I, did, I did blog, so to speak, on my travels uh, across country and on my Argentina trip. And, uh, but yeah, alas, I, uh, I'm a little undisciplined about that. And so. I saw for a while you'd grown out a beard. So you called the blog, wasn't it Sabirtical? Which I thought was an yes, awesome name. Brilliant wordplay. That's <laughs> but I noticed you, you've since gone clean shaven, so no more sabbatical? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, it looks, if you want to, of course, it's not an option for you, but if, if you want to make yourself look 15 years older, grow Just out grow a grow a beard. Maybe I'll try that, you know. Maybe that could work for me. <laughs> All right. Well, what is your favorite social media platform? Well, I'm kind of a Facebooker, I guess, which yeah. is you know, I guess for a baby boomer like me. That's, that's where you're at. But my, my kids, who are uh, 30 and 31, respectively, um, are on Snapchat. So we have fun with that. And do I, you have a I, Snapchat account? I do. You do? What's your Snapchat handle? we get people to follow you. If, any, if anyone's watching this yet, well, I don't know. I have to look. I just sort of, you know, it's one of those things. What's my handle? I, I don't really use it. But uh, I, I really see the appeal. Of, it is a lot of fun. Of Snapchat, it says Brendan McLaughlin. Oh, uh, McBrendan one. Try that. Brendan. McBrendan one. M C B R E. McBrendan one. M C B R E N D A N one. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll pop that up on the screen if you guys want to follow Brendan on Snapchat. All right, okay. and, and Brendan, uh, what do you think TV stations can do? This is a very interesting time for the business. What can TV stations do to adapt to be able to survive this whole landscape of new media? Oh, you know. That's really the it's million really tough dollars. Yeah. Because they are sweating bullets. Um, they, it's, and that's another reason I left, because it's, it's an industry, it's a business in existential crisis. They don't know if they're going to be around in another five or 10 years. So, I mean, that's not a very fun, optimistic environment mm -hmm. to work in. My daughter works in solar energy. I mean, that's a new industry. It's like the future is, you know, is ahead of them. So it's exciting to go to work. Um, but television news, I think, has got such a powerful platform. I think people are always going to love to sit on their couch and let somebody else decide what, what's important, what happened that day that's relevant to them. I really think that that's always going to exist. But the fact that, the, that 
the television stations have still been unable after all these years to break away from that mm -hmm. basic male anchor, female co-anchor, you know, uh, likable sports guy, um, weather guy, 10, 12 minutes for the first segment, break, you know, the same format. It's everybody's doing exactly yeah. the same thing. And it's the same thing they've been doing for 30 years because everybody's afraid to step out of that. And every time they do, you've seen this, you know, we're going to go out of the box and we're, we're going to do something different. We're going to stand up in the newsroom yeah. and walk from desk to desk and it's going to just blow up the paradigm. Well, of course it doesn't because it's not a, it's not a substantial or a material change. Um, so I don't know because the audience is definitely shrinking uh, pretty steadily. And uh, I, who knows how low it can go, but as, as my, your generation and my kids' generation, they're not watching local TV news uh, on that, that schedule uh, appointment television. That's just, that's just not a thing anymore. Um, so after we're gone, I don't know what they're gonna do, but I think they're going to have to become a little bit more like YouTube, which is not to say cat videos. Yeah. You know, I think there's, um, to, to quote Edward R. Murrow, who's, I love this quote, and I hate to be a name dropper. Johnny Carson said, you know, nobody likes a name dropper. He told me that. But Murrow said, people watch, people watch the news at the end of the day to find out if their world is safe. And it's that elemental. It's that fundamental. There's a need to check in with your environment, your local environment, not the world, not the country but your town and to find out what blew up or what didn't blow up or what, what's the crime situation, what's the weather situation. And um, so that's a powerful drive and local news is in a unique position to sort of meet that need, uh, but they're gonna have to do it in a much more relevant and, and uh, engaging way. Yeah, and I was even thinking, you know, I would like to see more stations allowing their anchors and reporters to have YouTube channels or to do more on their own to allow people to get to know them as people instead of, you know, just on the newscast, because I think there's a disconnect between with, with some level of distrust. So I think letting them get to know the people on your air might help them and might encourage them to actually watch the show. I agree, Jennifer. Um, here's, here's one of the complications with that though. And we're, we were, we were all doing it and anybody on the air today knows that they have a Facebook presence and they do engage viewers in a, in a somewhat quasi personal way, but everybody is acutely aware that you're on a razor's edge. If you say something yeah. that's not correct, not politically uh, palatable to certain people, if you're controversial, if you say something perhaps crude or offensive, even in jest, uh, you're in trouble and you, you know, your, your, your job is on the line. So people are, it tends to be very bland. That's true. But yeah, because they're so, they don't want to do anything yeah. that would jeopardize their job. So you're not really getting to know uh, James Wilkinson or whoever yeah. the anchor is. You're getting to know just a very curated, very carefully guarded version of him. So you're right. If, if they're, what, I, what I see happening is that I think local television stations are going to, they're going to try to form their own identity. And some of them are going to be a little bit mm -hmm. like morning radio. Like they're going to be edgier for real. And they're yeah. going to have to make the decision that we're going to lose certain sponsors and we're going to lose certain segments of the audience, but we're going to make up for it by getting a fiercely loyal, different segment of the audience. And we might have, you know, sponsors that also have no problem being, you know, part of, part of something a little edgier and, and even controversial. 
Well, it'll be very curious. I'm very curious to see what's going to shake out over the next five, 10 years. We, we don't know. It's true. It'll be fun to watch. And I'm, I'll be watching from retirement for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, be wa- you'll be watching with Finnegan, right? From Yeah. Well, one, la- one last thing. I'm going to give you the opportunity to ask this audience anything you want. So do you have a question of the day for our viewers? I guess so, yeah. And it's coming back to local television news. Um, and that, my question would be, if you do watch local television news at all, why are you going there? What specific thing are you watching local television news for? Is it the weather? Is it the sports scores? Is it back to my earlier point to find out what blew up? Is it because you like watching somebody? You like the way they look? You're in love with your anchor? Um, so I'm kind of curious as to what that driver is and what people find most important in local news today. All right, guys, you heard Brendan's question. If you're watching right now, leave a comment and, and answer his question of the day. If you do watch local news, what brings you there? Well, Brendan, thank you so much for joining me as our very first guest on XTV Producer. Well, it's an honor, Jennifer. It was great working with you, and I'm so excited uh, to see you uh, doing this great project here. You're going to be successful, as you always have been. And, the good thing uh, is there's zero startup costs, so the, the yeah. risk is low. I know, but you, you bring a lot to the table, and, uh, and I think you're going to do great. Thanks for making me a part of it. No, thank you so much. And, and for all of you out there, if you're also an XTV newser and you'd like to be featured here on XTV Producer channel, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. I'm at XTV Producer. Brendan, again, thank you so much. I'm Jennifer Moore. Thanks for listening to this episode of XTV Producer. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified about every new episode. And if you are listening on iTunes, definitely leave us a review and let us know what you think.